It's Brian Preston, the money guy. Restoring order to your financial chaos. Retirement, investing, taxes. You've got financial questions, he's got financial answers. It's Brian Preston, the money guy. I gotta tell you, you can tell this is not my day job because we are gonna throw this show together really quickly because I actually have a client coming in the next 25 minutes. But I've been missing you guys. I have not done a podcast in the last week and a half, two weeks. So I said, Bo, let's get this thing out. Let's get it done quickly because there's too many things going on we need to talk about. So for those just joining us, this is The Money Guy Show. I am your host, Brian Preston. This is not my day job. My day job is I'm actually a fee-only wealth manager on the south side of Atlanta. I am a CPA, a certified public accountant, a certified financial planner, and a personal financial specialist. And I'm a NAPFA registered advisor, meaning I'm a fee-only advisor. Um, Don't do commissions. Not that there's anything wrong with commissions in all circumstances, but I I just prefer to kind of sit on the same side and not have any of those conflicts of interest. Now, there's been a lot of things going on, and and I think it's pretty exciting. If You know, the thing that I went to a a dinner, a, a birthday dinner on, it was Friday night. It was Friday night, and we went to a, a restaurant, and I got to tell you, a lot of my friends are not financial people. I'm one of the few financial people because, let's face it, it's not fun to hang out with a bunch of people like me if all we want to do is talk about numbers, what's going on in the economy, and everything else. So a lot of my friends have no desire to talk about finances, but it was very interesting to me is that the topic that got a lot of attention that night was the Jim Cramer and the John Stewart interview that occurred late last week. And this thing had been building for the last week and a half because John Stewart, I got to tell you, for for you know, I know Jim Cramer called it a variety show, but th- there there is a, a number of young people out there that are now looking at the Daily Show really as their news source. Now, I don't always agree with everything, but I think John Stewart is is a very smart guy, and I, th- I thought that they set up the show incredibly well. It was very funny, and I've actually got some, we've transcribed some of the things because I just want to point out a few key points that were said and then also kind of give you what I had wished that Jim Cramer had said, but also agree with Jon Stewart on a few items. And But what I thought was very interesting is that if, if you listen to the Jim Cramer interviews up to that point, there was there was actually some things where he, he told John Stewart that he was just a variety show, an entertainer, a comedian, you know, talk and he gave some specific terminology that, you know, John Stewart I'm sure could not answer is what Jim Cramer said on the Today Show. Well, Jim you know, John, when he showed his prep the day of the actual interview, he showed him in a in a room being grilled under a bright light, kind of like an interrogation. Um you know, being pressed with all these fast questions like he was on a quiz show. And I thought that was great. And he even mentioned the, the section of what Jim Cramer had said on the Today Show. He didn't, didn't point to it. So if you didn't know the full argument, it was really genius the way the writers brought that up. And then it was very funny to me is that they, they then showed how Jim Cramer had prepared for the show. And they showed that he had gone on Martha Stewart. And John Stewart and his writers had a great line where they said, um, he decides he's going to prepare for the Daily Show interview by going and hanging out with a white-collar criminal. And then he also showed them a, a, a very, very funny clip where they were pounding on some, some, some dough, some bread dough uh, with, um, what, what do they call those, a, a kitchen pin or whatever that you, know, you need dough with. They were banging on that, and, and Jon Stewart comes back and says something to the effect of, um, haven't you 
killed enough doe or, or lost enough doe. It was something to that effect that it was just incredible. So it, the interview is very awkward, kind of uncomfortable. You've heard other people say that, and it's true. It really is. But it is well worth it. I'm going to get Bo to, um, to, to, to link out to that interview so you can watch it. But I did want to – there was one thing I thought – I want to read two big quotes that came out of it, both of them from Jon Stewart, because Kramer – Nice guy, but truthfully, he looked like a deer in headlights in this interview. It just did not go well for him. I found that he was apologizing more than trying to answer the questions. And, and as he even said on today's show this morning, because they, they asked him about it, uh, this is Thursday morning, um, Meredith asked him about it, and he said, you know, he's trying to take the high road, but I just think he was kind of a deer in headlights. And John Stewart had done his homework, which um, I don't know if Jim had, and he kind of was probably caught off guard with um, how John was able to come at him about some of these things. But here's something that John Stewart said in the interview, and it says, for people that believe that there are two markets, one that has been sold to us is long-term, put your money in 401ks, put your money in pensions, and just leave it there. Don't worry about it. It's all doing fine. Then there's this other market, this market, this real market that's occurring in the back room where giant piles of money are going in and out and people are trading, and it's transactional, and it's fast, but it's dangerous. It's ethically dubious, and it hurts the long-term markets. So what, it, what, does, it feel like, what does it feel like to us? And I'm speaking purely layman. It feels like we are capitalizing your adventure by our pension and our hard-earned money, and it is a game that you know. You know what's going on, but you go on television as a financial network and pretend it isn't happening. And, and i got to tell you, I think John Stewart makes a great, great, great point with this. Is that I've told, you know, I haven't been on it much, but when Fox Business Network was first started, you know, I get, time gets away from me. A year and a half ago or whenever it was, one of the talent producers contacted our show and said they just wanted to put us in the hopper as talent that they could call from time to time to do interviews. And, and when I was talking to the, the talent manager, I said, you know, I hope you guys are going to be a little different than CNBC in the fact that I hope you actually focus on personal finance issues, that you're not just going to be focusing on the daily trend and the hot stocks and, and having CEOs on that are going to tell you how great their companies are because, you know, any you can talk, I've, I've worked with a number of CEOs, and i got to tell you, every one of them think that their, their stock's going to 100. Um, it doesn't matter if they're worth $2, $20, they all think their stock's going to 100 because, I mean, that's what they're paid to do, and that's why, you know, I don't, this insider trading, sure, it's bad, and I, I think you have to, you know, Martha Stewart's paid her price, but i got to tell you, a lot of these guys are worthless on, on what they think is insider trading because they all, like I said, are, are thinking their stock's going to 100. So to bring on cheerleaders and cheer, for these stocks doesn't necessarily help the public. It doesn't help me and you who are trying to fight the world of, you know, managing our budget, managing our retirement plan, you know, get our, get, make sure we have enough life insurance. And, and I wish there was more of a channel. And I was kind of hoping when Fox Business came out that they were going to go with more of the personal finance issues than just the trends of the market, because that's so sensational. It's so it's kind of like the shark attacks in Florida a few years ago. You wonder if it's really doing any good whatsoever or if it's just the media making more out of nothing. You know, and, and that's what I feel like part of this recession that we're in is a recession of fear. You know, we, we had the president get up there with Paulson and others and tell us, oh my God, the sky is falling. And what is, you know, and then the media jumps on it. And then we're all like, well, gosh, if the sky is falling, I better quit spending money. And we've all, I've done it myself. And then we all wonder why we got stuck with this. So I think John Stewart is right. I think that a lot of the, the financial television shows have not done the right type of journalism to a degree. 
and try to get, you know, how can you educate yourself, but also a little more investigative reporting and going out there and exposing when, when things are just not right. I mean, you, you talk about, I just feel like they are a little dubious in, in some of that. But there was something that went on, by the way, if you watch the interview, and I think it's great if you watch, listen to this podcast and then go watch the interview because we can give you a little insight. They got Jim Cramer dead in the water on some of the things he said. I don't know where that interview came from, if it's some public access show or if it's some internal you know, video they recorded for hedge fund managers. I don't know what it was, but Jim Cramer even talks about manipulating the markets with futures and other things. It's disgusting. And, and in John Stewart, I don't know where they found that in their research department, but it is incredible. So you can watch that. But then John Stewart comes down a little bit further and he says, but isn't this part of the problem, selling this idea that you don't have to do anything? Anytime you sell people the idea that sit back and you'll get 10 to 20% on your money, don't you always know that that's going to be a lie? When are you going to realize, or when are we going to realize in this country that our wealth is work, that we're workers, and by selling the idea of, hey man, I'll teach you how to be rich, how is that different than an infomercial? Um, so th- th- when John said that, and you'll hear it when you watch the interview, it hit me because I know there's probably a lot of people because the stock market has been nothing but a pile of poop for the last year and a half, and a lot of you are just starting to request, you know, starting to question yourself on what in the world is going on with the stock market. And I've been sold this bill of goods that all I need to do is save, you know, 15 to 20 percent of my wages, and then, you know, when I retire 40 years after the, t- the day I start working, I'm going to have plenty of money because I even tell you guys that. And I think a lot of you are starting to question that and ask yourself if that's the case. So I wanted to tell you something. I want to get back to a fundamental issue that I think a lot of people, and this is journalists including um, John Stewart and Jim Cramer, because I, w- I was sitting there when I heard this and I watched this in the interview, I was like, please, Cramer, tell them why people invest in stocks. Tell them, tell them, tell them. Get back to the basics. Don't try to do all this stuff. And, and he never did it. And I was just, I was getting all red-faced and disgusted. So, you know, fortunately, I have a podcast, so I can go and tell you what my thoughts are. When, when I, If I would have been sitting there and John Stewart said that, I'd be like, you know, you're right when you talk about that we've got to recorrect the waste that's going on, or, you know, with, with you know, people manipulating stock prices, you know, some of these hedge funds not having some of the accountability, and some of the things even on Wall Street, you know, that's going on in government and their involvement. I would I would completely agree with you, John Stewart, on what you're saying on those. But this whole premise of why do people invest in equities, let's, let's dial that back and actually talk about the basics. People buy into stocks, and you can, I'm telling you, you can build financial independence with financial investments, because I even say it all the time, is that you do want to quit working with your hands. You want to quit working with your back and actually let your money start doing the work for you. And that's why you have to start saving so young. But a lot of us don't, you know, I say that and a lot of you probably don't know what drives the stock market. What makes stock markets go up? And I think that's the key point that we're missing in our fundamental understanding of how the stock market, it just seems like this magical place where when people are happy and excited, it goes up. And when people are depressed and, you know, we talk about these recessions and everything, it doesn't work that way. What actually drives, now short term, it can be a very emotional. And this recession, a lot of it is, has to do with the banking, but also a lot of it has to do with emotional things that are going on and people making irrational decisions. Uh, in the long term, stock prices are set 
by the growth and earnings of the company. And you say, Brian, what are you talking about? Give me proof. So this is what I did, because I'm all about the research. I don't trust anybody these days. I've decided that maybe there's a career, you know, and it, this podcasting has led me and Bo and others here at the firm to start doing research, to, to start putting out there to the public. And, that, and that's one of the things we're going to be putting more and more of this stuff out there on the membership section of the website that's coming up, and I'll give you a little more information on that coming up. But I went and pulled who were the Dow Jones Industrial Average, who were the stocks on the Dow Jones back in 1967. Oh, no, it's back in 1970. I think that, yeah, back in 1970. And then I took it all the way to December 31st of 2008. And three stocks that I pulled off of the Dow Jones from 1970 was General Electric, uh, Procter and Gamble, and then Texaco with Chevron. You know, Texaco Chevron. They, they're kind of together now. But I went and pulled those numbers, and this is what I want you to notice. Uh, oh, it looks like I've got two separate numbers here. But let's look at the revenue back in. We are going back to 1967. Sorry, I've got a chart with several numbers here. General Electric. The revenue back in 1967 for General Electric was. billion. So $7.2 billion was the revenue back in 1967. And then the profit on that money, um, the profit on General Electric's revenue from 67 was $338 million. So if you owned shares of General Electric back in 1967, you know, the, the company on the revenue side was had $7.2 billion coming in, and then their profit was $338 million. Now, let's fast forward 40 years into the future, and let's talk about what's going on at the end of 2008, which by all accounts was an awful year for the stock market. Okay, revenue for General Electric at the end of 2008 was $1.82 trillion. Did you hear that? We went from $7.2 billion to $1.82 trillion. Um, so don't you know if you own that stock during that 40-year period, probably did all right. Because remember, this is not just some mythical thing. This is actually companies making more and more money. And that's kind of what you're counting on because that's where tax collections, that's where government gets their money. We're counting on that the country is going to continue to grow. Innovation is going to take us to more and more places. So $1.82 trillion of revenue, profits from that is $17.4 billion at the end of 2008. So we went from $338 million of profit in 67 to $17.4 billion. Profit profit increased in in that period from 1967 to the end of 2008 at 5,048%. Do you hear how important that is? So you can imagine stock price has probably gone up significantly. Stock price from 1970 to the end of 2008 for General Electric, the stock has been up 6,458%. That's powerful stuff. Let's talk about Procter & Gamble. Procter & Gamble back in 1967 had revenue of $2.24 billion. Their profit on that was $149 million. You fast forward to 2000, into 2008, they had revenue of $83 billion. Their, their profit was $12 billion. Pretty big increase there in the revenue side. I mean, on, on the profit side. Texaco Chevron, revenue 1967, $4.43 billion, profit of $710 billion. We had revenue in 2008. Now, remember, I know t- uh, up until July and other periods it was good, but remember the fourth quarter of 2008 was not a great time to be in, in the oil industry. So things started falling down, and, and these numbers might even be a little less in 2009 because it's obviously not been very low. We've been blessed with very low oil prices this year, which is a good thing. But still looking at it, going 40 years, you go from $710 million in profit in 67 to $23.9 billion 
and profit in 2008. Those are tremendous, tremendous numbers. And what if you just did the S&P 500? The S&P 500 during that 1970 period to the end of 2008, you'd have made well over a thousand percent. And I'm telling you, it's all driven by the stocks. It's driven by the earnings of those stocks. They all make more and more money, and that's what we're counting on. We're counting on the innovation, the things that allow you to go from having a console TV that's a piece of furniture to now you have a flat screen TV on your wall to you having to, to, to use a pay phone to now we all have mobile phones to now we can even have iPhones and other things that you can even take to Disney World and other places and they can tell you where park exhibits are, where bathrooms are, where you are in the park. I mean, this is Jetsons type stuff here. I mean, things that they're just incredible and that's what's driving the stock market in the long term. So remember, short term is driven by emotion. Long term is actually driven by the earnings and, uh, and the growth of those earnings of these companies that are making up these indexes and, and these stock exchanges. I just wanted to put that out there because I think John Stewart had some great points, but I do want you to know investing is not dead. We're going to come out of this okay. It's just we're in a scary, scary time. And, you know, you always hear the best times to invest is when, blood, when there's blood in the streets. Or, you know, you've heard, I've said it a gazillion times, you know, be greedy when, when others are fearful and be fearful when others are greedy. It's, it's the same adage, you know, this is the time where I'll go look at it now and think you're nuts for investing. And then, you know, three, four, five years from now, we're all going to look at it and go, man, that was, that was cheap back then. So I want to throw that out there. Now, we're in the middle of the show. I want to go ahead and give you our website because I forgot to give it at the beginning of the show. If you want to go check out our show notes and get some of the information, go look at the link for that, that John Stewart, Jim Cramer interview. You can go to money-guy.com. You can also write the show at brian, B-R-I-A-N, at money-guy.com. And then one last thing, I want to tell you right now, just as a heads up, Two things, actually, is that real estate-wise, if you want to go buy real estate right now for investment purposes, please go start looking because the deals are incredible. Interest rates are an all-time low, um, and also banks are sitting on tons of inventory, and the FDIC is squeezing these community banks um, tremendously to unload some of their assets to free up some liquidity, and there are deals out there. You're getting 50 cents on the dollar on these houses, but you can't go buy from the sign in the front yard. You've got to go on websites like realtytrack.com and others to go see who is who has bank-owned property, and you have to go find out who the bank is and go negotiate with those banks directly. Now, please, if you're a real estate agent, don't get mad at me because typically I've used, I've always used real estate agents to sell my personal residence and other things. I'm just telling you right now, the deals to get the 50 cents on the dollar, you don't go through the real estate agents. You've got to go negotiate directly with the banks. And you make sure you educate yourself because I do think real estate agents are very important through the process. So maybe you even want to work in conjunction with one on negotiating with the banks. But buying from a sign in the front yard is not where the deals are right now. And I'm telling you, they are out there. I live here in the state of Georgia, and I'm seeing contracts now uh, from investors as well as some deals I've even been involved with that where you're getting 50 cents on the dollar. You can't build these houses for what they're selling for these days. And that's ultimately what the value of real estate is, you know, in the near term is that, you know, I, I had a president of a credit union tell me, you know, the value might not reflect it today, but if you can't build that house for what it's selling for, it's probably going to be a deal in the, in the future. Because right now we have an inventory problem with real estate. It's not that God's making more real estate. It's just that we have too many houses out there and not enough people living in them. So you have an inventory issue. It's the whole basic concept of supply and demand. So go out there, do some research. Like I said, realtytrack.com. 
It is a membership site, but they have a lot of free information you can go check out. And I know there's a gazillion other real real estate sites that you can go check out. That's just the one I've used here recently on some of the investment properties I've researched. So go check that out. I wanted to just give you a, a tidbit on that. Also, membership section. We finally, a lot of you guys have sent me emails offering to give me some help and, and guidance on um, the, the website because we, we were having some trouble getting somebody to help us out with the WordPress and membership directory and everything else. Problem solved. We found a company that is doing an awesome job for us right now, and I'm probably going to give them some kudos after we do the true unveiling. But I'm telling you, another week, two weeks, three weeks, this thing, we've already got a mock website that we're working on. Um, I don't want to give that out yet, but it is going to be awesome, and we're going to have the same free content we've always had. Don't think that we're selling out on that, but I am excited because I'm hoping that by adding a membership section, being able to add more research documents for you guys, add special podcasts, even add video. We are looking into buying video equipment other things. If we, can, if we can start getting the membership section to be successful, I'm going to be able to devote more time to this. Because remember, this is not my day job. But if I can get this podcast to generate enough revenue that it does seem like it's a, it can be like three, four, five different clients to me, if it can replace the income of four or five different clients, I'm not going to feel as guilty about devoting that time to the podcast. And I'm excited that I am going to be able to go and do special podcasts on videos and, and give you asset allocation models that you can consider using for your own personal finance. I think there's a tremendous opportunity, especially in these dark, dark times that we've been in financially, for this site to be a resource for you. And I'm just trying to make sure that we can continue to give you free, objective, good advice. And I'm hoping a lot of you guys will go check that out. The website, once again, is money-guy.com. But recognize right now, if you're listening to this, that's not the new site. You're going to know the new site when it shows up because it is slick, and I'm very excited about it. But I want to get this show out to you. Like I said, I had a client meeting. It's actually occurring in about three minutes now. Wanted to get this show out to you because I know it's been about two weeks. We got a Bo, one of my associates, taking the CFP exam tomorrow. I know he's nervous. He's going to do well. Um, I've got tax season going on, so we've had a bunch of balls up in the air, and we've been just trying to juggle it all. We're going to, after we get through April 15th, I'm going to, this thing is going to take off even more so because I'm going to be able to devote a lot more time after we get through this tax season. So thanks so much for listening to the Money Guy Show. Thanks for your, your continued support, the great emails, the feedback on iTunes that you have no idea. That's probably the only reason I'm still on the front page of iTunes is from your feedback. It's been tremendous to me, and I need you to keep doing that for me because, let's face it, this is a grassroots growth organization. I need your help for us to continue to have success, and you've been a huge part of that. Thanks so much, and I'll talk to you in a week or two. Thanks. The Money Guy podcast is hosted by Brian Preston, and Brian Preston is a partner with Preston and Cleveland Wealth Management. Preston and Cleveland Wealth Management is a registered investment advisory firm regulated by the Securities and Exchange Commission in accordance and compliance with securities laws and regulations. Preston and Cleveland Wealth Management does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through the Money Guy podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice.